Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. I welcome again the, the Growing in Grace podcast here on the cap, along with the Breeze Man, Joel Breeze, That's a key, me. That's growinginggrace.org. Past archive programs are there. We're here to bring some enlightenment to you, to bring some relief, hopefully, some rest, some joy. You know, there's a lot of people who go to church week in and week out, and sometimes they walk out feeling worse than they, than they went in. <laughs> uh, we should be able to turn that inside out for you right here because the gospel means good news. And that's our focus here on this program, week in and week out. Tell a friend we're here. Yeah, and last week we spent seven minutes apologizing for what we might say that might offend people. So this week... Yeah, we're done with that. We're th- no, forget all of that. I don't care what you <laughs> we think. We didn't really mean it anyway. <laughs> Uh, I think it's I think it's good because there uh, there there is kind of a diplomacy that needs to happen when there are discussions and a lot of times these days, as you see on social media, there's not necessarily a whole lot of diplomacy. A lot of people uh-huh. just talk and shout over each other uh, when there's disagreements, and it just makes it not even worth having the discussion. But so with all that said, uh, like I said, uh, here we go. Let's talk. In, we're talking about was the law. Of Moses, was the law abolished or was it not? Does the law still stand or does it not? And I can understand there are some verses, you were talking about verses last week. There are some verses that might make it seem like it's still alive and around. And there are other ones that we see that uh, it really shows us that it's not. And so we're, we're talking about that. Last week we talked about how Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. We talked about how he couldn't have fulfilled it. I mean, if, if his purpose was to fulfill the law, and the law needed to be fulfilled, if his purpose was to fulfill it, if he had abolished it first, he wouldn't have been able to fulfill it. So that's pretty much where we got last week. And assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. We talked a little bit about how Jesus said, it is finished. That word means it is fulfilled. Everything has been fulfilled. And we'll, we'll bring up some other verses that talk about how the law and the prophets and uh, the Psalms were fulfilled. But right now, let's go to Ephesians 2, because that word abolished, I think it's a slightly different Greek word, but it means essentially the same thing, where Paul says, for he himself, talking about Christ, well, let's, let's back up. For, therefore, you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, so Gentiles called uncircumcision by the Jews, that at that time, so there's this time when people were without Christ, were without, this is before the cross, that at at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. What promise is he talking about? He previously is talking about what Abraham had been promised, the covenants of promise, um, having no hope and without God in the world. That was the fate of the Gentiles. Aliens from everything that had to do with God, no hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, that's important. I backed up there for a reason. Because Paul goes on to say, for he himself is our peace. 
He himself, Jesus, is our peace, who made both one. Both, what, what does it mean, both? Both the Jews and the Gentiles, those who had the law and those who didn't have the law, those who had God and those who didn't have God, those who had God and those who were without hope and without God in the world. He made those one. Well, how did he do that? He has broken down the middle wall of separation. I think another version calls it the wall of hostility. Having broken that down, is what Paul says, having broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is what was the enmity that was abolished in Jesus' flesh, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. So there was this enmity, this middle wall of separation, this middle wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. It had to be taken out of the way for God to make them both one, to make one new man from the two, and thus making peace. And that enmity was the law of commandments. It was taken out of the way. Uh, It was abolished in his flesh. I didn't say that. Paul is the one who said that. Colossians says something similar. I'm sure we'll get to that, and I'll turn it back to you, Kat. Yeah, uh, so this is this is kind of huge here, Ephesians chapter 2. The main point that you did bring out is that Paul largely is addressing Gentiles here in the book of Ephesians. But the word abolished does show up, and we kind of covered this, uh, the word abolished in the Greek from Matthew 5 last week. Like you said, it basically means the same thing. It's just a a different word from a similar root. But I just looked at three translations while you were talking there, and they all have that word abolished in, in the English translation. But it just basically means to make idle, inactive, to make of no effect, annul, abolish, bring to naught, discharge, sever, separate from. And there's other things that you can dive into here to make to make idle or inactive, to cease. Well, here's one. Here's one from Helps Word Studies. To idle down, being of no effect, uh, totally without force, completely brought down, just like what you read there, done away with, to cause to cease and therefore abolish or make invalid, to make idle or inactive. So you see where they're getting uh, the word in the English translation here from the Greek. And it goes on from there. I, there's more words, more more stuff here from, from the lexicon I could bring up. But you, you get the idea, right? And so with Ephesians chapter 2 here, pointing something out that is critical for us to understand, especially in light of another passage we're going to be covering here that people like to use to argue that the law is not abolished. And the point here is that Jesus broke down, the law fell. The law came to a place of, of failure. Now, the law itself, as Paul said in Romans 7, it was, it was good, it was righteous, it was holy. It, it reflected a perfect standard of, of God's perfection. It was like a, a mirror, a shadow. You know, I mean, we talked about that recently in the book of Hebrews. Um, but it came down. Why? Because it was the law, even though... Gentiles were never under it. It was designed for Israel. Even though they were never under it, they were they were without a covenant, as Joel just read in Ephesians chapter 2. They were without hope. They were without God. Why? Because of this dividing wall known as the law of commandments. 
It was keeping them from God. It wasn't going to cause them to come to God. Tearing down the wall allowed Gentiles to come to God by faith through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it united, spiritually speaking, Jew and Gentile who would come to God now in the same way instead of through a law of commandments and rules. So Jesus did fulfill that, and we're going to try to make the case that that caused the law to be abolished. Right, yeah, the whole idea of the law. The law, the purpose of the law, well, Paul even says in uh, the New King James Version, Paul asks the question, what purpose then does the law serve? You know, point blank, what purpose does the law serve? Other versions say, why then the law? And And the reason that question is asked is because He's talking about, from a, man, from a human point of view, in verse 15 of Galatians 3, even if it's just a covenant from man to man, if it's confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. I was talking about these, the promises. It does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And I say that the law, which was 430 years later, so God made this promise to Abraham and to Christ 430 years before the law. And so the law cannot annul that previous covenant, that promise, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So why then the law? This is, now I've, I've, I'm going to do this for the first time via speech. I've written this on social media, but I'm going to do this in speech and just see how this comes across. <laughs> what what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions until, 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 Am I freaking anybody out? Am I bugging anybody? Okay, bump, I'll bump the needle. <laughs> yeah, really. That's our our old radio days playing those records until <laughs> until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So the law was added until the seed should come until Christ came uh, to whom the promise was made. And uh, is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But, this is verse 22, but the scripture has confined all under sin. The scripture he's talking about is the law. Uh, it, It has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ, the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So this promise could not have been given if the law had not first confined all under sin. The law had a purpose. It was to confine all under sin. Just like the cross had a purpose, was to take away sin. Now what sin did the cross take away? Was it just the sin at that time while Christ was alive? No, it was all the sin before the cross, and it was all the sin after the cross. They took away the sin of the world. I would say that that's the same with what the law did. Is is the, it confined all under sin long before the law and bef- and after long after the law, its job that's what the law did. It confined all under sin, so that this promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So the law had a purpose until Jesus came, and then its job was done because he says here before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law 
kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. So there was a, a faith that was revealed after this, the ministry of the law had done its thing. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. So many of our fellow grace people, I understand, will say, yes, yeah, so we're not under the law anymore because faith we've come to faith. And yes, I, I totally agree with that. At the same time, I also see that it had a purpose until Jesus came. Now this new age of faith has come. Faith has been revealed in Christ. And now it's not a matter of whether the law is making you guilty or not. The law has already done that. But it's a matter of do you believe in this Christ now, this Christ who has come? Do you believe in him or do you not believe in, in him? That's really where the difference is now. And still plenty more to say about all this, Cap. Indeed. <laughs> but th th see, that's some great stuff, though. I mean, that that is some great stuff. Paul pointed out some things that took place with a covenant with Abraham that, that would come by belief long before the law ever showed up. Uh, and, and now we see where the, the law had a purpose with the Jewish people for those who were under it. You know, the law, the law speaks to those who were under it, uh, and that was the Jewish people. The other 99-plus percent of the world was never under it to begin with. And now the Jewish people aren't either. Uh, whether they know that or not is, is another story. Real quickly, First Timothy, Paul is, is writing to him, and he says that, you know, there are those who have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, meaningless conversation, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirmed. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Uh, and this is where people think, see, their law still has a place. Knowing this, the law is not made for the righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and sinners, and it goes on. But going back to Ephesians chapter 2, the thing that was keeping Gentiles from coming to Christ, and the Jews for that matter too, was the law. The law was the barrier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jesus brought the wall down. He tore it down. He tore down that wall, that, that barrier, that wall of commandments, so that people could come to Christ and come together as Jew and Gentile. So we don't use the law to bring people to Christ in this new covenant when the <laughs> law is no longer in effect. There's there's other ways to do this than to try, try to use a ministry of guilt and condemnation, which we aren't under anymore. So uh, there's probably more to get into. I suppose we're running out of time for this Yeah, one, and, and just real quick, so something you had said to me beforehand is that, so what what is the lawful use of the law? And we just got done doing a, a series on, on forgiveness where we talked about Hebrews a lot. And the writer of Hebrews is a perfect example of using the law. He said what the law did. This is what happened under the law, and this is why the sacrifice of Jesus was needed. The proper use of the law is to is to show that the law is the ministry of death and condemnation so that it will show the people that there's this new thing called faith. Now, faith has been around a long time, but in the words of Paul in, in Galatians 3, he's talking about how faith has come. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under the tutor. So the tutor's job is done. The only reason to talk about the tutor is to explain what his job was so that we can tell people that now we're in this thing called faith. And if you believe in Christ, you've been saved and you have justification. So, yes, indeed. We'll talk more about this. Uh, there's uh, Colossians uh, to bring about. There's some stuff from Romans 7, maybe some Luke, some John. We'll talk about lots of things coming up here on the Growing in Grace podcast. 
This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski, heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.